Korzik did comment on a post of ours. He said, it really depends on why the rut is there. I think I mostly handle them by just asking why I'm feeling the rut and trying anything to answer that question. Another great advice given to me by my brother. Was it advice or guidance? I was just going to say it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was in a deep rut, it's just changing or trying anything. Because logically, if you keep trying any changes in an effort to improve, eventually something will work and improve the situation. In retrospect, I feel that was kind of a brilliant way to explain faith to someone who's having trouble believing it. Interesting. Yeah. I do and don't agree. I agree that that's a brilliant way to explain faith. Mm. I think what we're both feeling right now is the burden of effort. Yeah. At least that's a lot of what I'm feeling. No, definitely. Yeah. Because that's what an institution or some kind of a higher cause or organization would relieve you of. Exactly. So that makes sense. Yeah. If I had to try... And I think that's really a part of it because, like, I want to try to be a part of... Like, I okay, I interviewed for this job a while back, and I wasn't thrilled about what the... Like, I kind of realized interviewing for it that I don't necessarily want to work in events anymore because mm-hmm. it would have been a great job to have but it would have robbed me of my social life yeah, almost completely. But what excited me was being a part of an institution, being a part of an organization where there is a type of event that they host, there is a type of audience that they go for, yeah. which in their, in this case it seemed like kind of a mailing list audience primarily. Yeah, And I've worked at venues that had primarily mailing list audiences before and like there is definitely a preferred way to conduct business, a preferred way to interact with your uh, subscribers and your membership base. Yeah. And a preferred type of entertainment to offer them, mm. you know. And that framework being in place gives you a lot of guidelines to follow and gives you very few mistakes that you're worried about making. Yeah. You know, that definitely. kind of thing. So in that sense... Once you're in the organization, you can try and try and try different approaches to things, but there's always something to sort of default to. Yeah. And what we're talking about is outside of an institution or an organization, you don't necessarily have that fail-safe, you know? You can try and try and try. If nothing's working, then what are you going to default to? And the fear, I think, is... Well, what if I have to default to something that is not serving me? Yeah. What if I have to, you know, keep looking for work and not find something that is going to be professionally or creatively rewarding to me? Yeah. Or even financially rewarding to me. And I have to settle on doing something that I don't want to do to make a living, to survive. Yeah. And that thought is terrifying to me. Oh, yeah. It really is. Yeah. And... Part of this whole rut is that, is knowing that I currently have a job that will be ending. Yeah. And I'm going to have to move on to doing something else. And I am the kind of person, I want to do something for a living that says something about me Mm. and not just something about my skills. Yeah. Not just something about what I'm capable of doing, but actually something about what I love to do. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a sensible thing, though, to kind of yearn for. Cause it's, I mean, I'm the same way, at least, so maybe it's just that. But it's just the amount of time that you're going to spend doing it 
alone that that so that trips me up just in and of itself I'm like oh my god it's the cumulative kind of crushing nature of stuff like that has always been something that's um i found really hard to truly reckon with well i remember bringing this up when we talked about workaholism this would have been a salaried position that i was applying for a couple weeks back Mm -hmm. and as the director was explaining that to me i said to her like good i hate being paid hourly and I want to be able to work when I'm not supposed to work, which is a very workaholic thing to say. And we yeah. actually, like, she went out of the way to bring up to me the toxic workaholism that is present in the events and nonprofit arts industry. Yeah. Where people are just always expected to do more than should be expected of them. Yeah. And she's right, you know, but it's the kind of thing that I always like pine for a little bit. It's like if I did have a career that demanded a lot of me, but that I loved the work and agreed with the purpose of the work, like I'm not so horrible at managing my time that I can't take a vacation when I know I need to make take a vacation. Yeah. But whenever I have enjoyed working in events or whenever I have enjoyed writing for a newspaper or whatever have I have enjoyed doing whatever there have been those cultivating elements to it. There have been community elements to it. There have been like, I know I'm working harder than I would have to at a different job, mm-hmm. but I also like what I'm working toward. I also like what is being created by this work. Yeah. I mean, that definitely counts. Yeah. It's weird how this kind of stuff, I don't remember if we talked about this on workaholism at all, but like this kind of stuff, either that yearning for wanting to really like plug into something with kind of your full weight, with your full being, and just the power that can come from that when you actually apply like your passion, your skills, your, I don't know, some of that workaholic drive, like any any of those things that are almost like borderline uncontrollable under the right circumstances, when you actually plug those into a purpose that's like in gear and going, Mm -hmm. it gets like framed as optional so much. Like it's this weird little kind of like bonus thing that you can get if you just fall ass backwards into a career that like you've always wanted to be a fireman and then you can become a fireman. You can throw yourself head over heels into being a fireman and it's like, yep, hey, that checks out. That dude's lucky he got to do the thing he loved. Like, it's treated as like this passive like gift that you're given by somebody at some point. And it's, it's unfair really. Cause there's definitely points where like, you, you know, you've got to suck it up and do a job or something that just isn't great or isn't fulfilling or so, whatever. Like everyone's had some version of that where it's just, that's the holding pattern for the moment. But like the idea that it's even remotely provocative to be looking beyond that and be like, this is fucking unsatisfying Mm -hmm. or this is scary. It's so it's insane because so much of your life or your energy or your time is going to be spent doing that. And it's, it literally is your existence. So it should Mm -hmm. be existentially terrifying. Yeah. And I'm in a place right now, part of this rut is worrying that I wasted too much of that energy Yeah, and worrying that I wasted a lot of opportunities where I would have been like, like I'm not able to work tirelessly anymore. Mm. I'm getting old. 
<laughs> you know, like, and the truth is that changes when you are passionate. That changes when yeah. you have an internal drive that um, creates the energy to execute that work. Mm-hmm. But um, have you ever watched Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip? Uh, no, I don't it's think I have. It's an Aaron Sorkin show from the mid-2000s. It's about like a, an alternate universe Saturday Night Live, basically. Okay. And there are all these scenes of, you know, there's a big balcony where like all the offices are. And the offices like have a have back doors that like let out onto the balcony. So you'll see the, the co-execs like up on the balcony watching the show happen. Right? Yeah. And at my last job, I had this ritual where mid-concert, I would go up to the balcony and there was a particular like edge of the railing that I could like just comfortably lean against or sit on. And even if I had a bunch of other shit to do, mm. I would just make it my ritual to go up to the balcony, sit on the railing and watch like 10 to 15 minutes of the concert and just admire that I was the one to set it all up. Yeah. You know, admire that like now there is a shared experience happening below me, even if I'm not a part of it because I now have to go and tend to other things in the building. Yeah. I would always make sure that I had that Studio 60 moment. Yeah. That I had that like producer moment where I could look at my work and appreciate it and just take that moment to say like, yes, this is what it's all for. Yeah. It was all for the cultivation of this experience. Yeah. But I've been the same way with, you know, like putting together like amateur newspapers, yeah, stuff, like like school papers and stuff like that. Like where I will like without getting paid a cent, I will just work tirelessly to get the layout right and like have a product at the end. And I think that's something that like that is a skill and a passion that I have always had. Where if I know that a product will get made or I know that an experience will be had, yeah. I won't stop until I'm certain that I've done everything I can to cultivate that experience or that product to the aesthetic standards that I think are best for it. And then my work can be done. Yeah. And then once that experience is had, it can go on to the next thing. Yeah. You know, so what field, what industry should I be working in? (laughs) (laughs) And should I have stayed in, uh, in pagination and like newspaper design and stuff like that. Should I have stayed in any one of these fields where I, in my twenties would give every waking hour to. Yeah. Because I felt like they mattered. And this is what I mean by, did I forego that energy? Do I not have that energy anymore? Because I put like a, so much of my creative energy in my twenties went to those kinds of projects and those kinds of pursuits. And that didn't lead to a career. Yeah. But it led you to know what that feeling was. Like you didn't yeah. get waylaid by mistaking the feeling for the process because it can definitely be one and the same, but a lot of times it it isn't. And uh, it, I think that's important. It's almost like the wasted years discussion that we had. It's like each time you went through one of those, like you circled a little tighter around that realization mm-hmm. as opposed to being mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of stuff I love about this job and, you know, formatting is just my passion. You never would have tried any of those other things and realized like, oh shit, I get this out of putting on like staged shows or yeah, 
it and I get the same feeling there. It, so it's like it starts to open up those avenues that like maybe it's kind of all of these different things as long as it leads to this feeling. And then you start to realize it's sort of conditional because it's like it can't suck all of my time out so that I have no room to be an individual or to be an artist within all of that. So I don't think it's wasted in, you know, because you, you attacked it with everything you had. You like threw yourself into those. So I think that that definitely counts. I mean, you know what? Like, here's the perfect example. It's not even an example. It's like thinking about my 20s and thinking about what I wanted versus what I was doing. Yeah. I was a college student and I was writing for a newspaper and I was substitute teaching and I was working at bookstores and blah, blah, blah. And I had to write on the side. Yeah. I had to be creative on the side and not get paid for my creativity. Yep. And how am I still fucking doing that? <laughs> and I'm sure that's how so many people feel. Yep. Is like how am I how is my creativity not my career? Yeah. At this point. And I can answer that question very simply. It's because I've given up on a lot of projects. Mm. And it's because a lot of things didn't go my way. Yeah. It's because I was signed to a a a publishing house that folded because the president of the company had a stroke. Like, a lot of things did not go how I would have wanted them to go. Yeah. And to answer Owen's suggestion, like, <laughs> to yeah. keep trying after you think you've got it figured out is exhausting. Yeah. To keep getting rejection letters is one thing. Yeah. But to have a contract that you've signed voided because the company do goes under. Yeah. It's like, fuck, I have to find that again. Yeah. <laughs> like... Cause it's also one more ding in your your ability to trust in that same way. Like, yeah, the company was the one thing that was supposed to work. Everything else was experimental. What the yeah, hell? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The company was the institution. It's yeah. supposed to be more concrete than that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, to put it simply, like the feeling that is probably the most overwhelming to me is I can't just keep being creative on the side. Yeah, and I don't know that I would feel the same way if I was like full-time producing other people's records yeah. and then having to make my own music solo on the side, you know? Yeah. I think there's maybe a little bit of a different connotation to that, but that's also because production is also something that I'm passionate about. So I don't know. But that's that, kind of what I mean by that not being a wasted period of your life is like you're able to make those distinctions because if you didn't, you would just end up in the same rut without the wisdom to realize that that process and the passion can be different things because you, anyone who hadn't been through all of that would very reasonably assume that like my passion is producing records. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that on the side. I also make my own records. If I could just produce records full time, that's it. I would be happy. And then, yeah, you realize like you're burning out the exact reserves that you would need for your own stuff by the time, like I've known so many producers who work ridiculous hours and they tell me they don't even listen to music hmm. recreationally which the first time i heard time that to? no because they don't want to and i i was oh. so like taken aback by that when i first heard it but they were like if i hear one more goddamn kick drum by the end of the <laughs> week like i spend my entire waking day listening to records come to fruition listening to records that have come to fruition maybe making their own stuff. It's like, they, you know, they play around. Like, they're still, they weren't, like, unhappy people, but it changed it. And that became, like, clear to me. Like, that's its own thing. 
some people can be, it's like the fireman example I said earlier, like it, you can definitely be a person where that overlap is so perfect that you can just cruise and you're good to go. But I think there's also those people where it's, it, they can diverge a little bit. Like yeah. you can be an absolute junkie for certain aspects of that process or that lifestyle or whatever, but also mm. you can't only do that and you can't only do that for others and that kind of thing. And just living and making those distinctions clearer and clearer and clearer as you go can be, it can be so important. It can also be useless for some people, but it's also like, you know, it, I think that's the one aspect to the whole, like you, you get wiser as you get older. Like it, that doesn't bug me. It's like, you know, you do start to clarify a lot of that stuff. Mm.